Second Corinthians chapter seven. We're looking at verses five through sixteen. Let's pray and read the word of the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for your mercies that are new every moment. Father, thank you for your holy book. Father, thank you for sealing us with your spirit and placing us in your precious bride, your church. Father, may we never, ever, ever take that for granted. And Father, rejoice at the privilege of being children of the Most High God. Help us, Father. Help us to walk worthy. Help us to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And help us to take every thought captive. May we look at your word as a precious treasure. Rejoicing that you have presented it to us. And it is only capable of perfecting the soul. To your glory and praise. Amen. Beginning in verse 5. For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without, fears within. But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he had comforted in you, as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter caused you sorrow, but only for a little while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For behold, what earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication yourselves, what indignations, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong and everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the offender, nor for the sake of the one offended, but it was that your earnestness on our behalf might be made known to you in the sight of God. For this reason, I have been comforted. And besides our comfort, we rejoice even much more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I was not put to shame. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, so also our boasting before Titus proved to be truth. His affection abounds all the more toward you as he remembers the obedience of you all. How you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice. That in everything, I have confidence in you. What we're looking at is a broken relationship that has been restored. How do I get comfort out of this sorrow? Every one of us has had a time when relationships have been strained or broken. 
And the Apostle Paul had a dandy here going on with the church in Corinth. And yet, you can watch how God, through the Apostle Paul, confronting the sin, brought a sorrow, a heartache, that brought about repentance that changed. And in that change, you can see what happened in the Corinthian church. And as that happened, then it brought great joy to the Apostle Paul and to Titus. And probably all of those that were serving with the Apostle Paul. How does it look? How does it work? We see there that in verses 5 and 6, he was depressed, yet comforted. He was afflicted on every side. He had conflicts outside, had fears with inside. And he was troubled. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, he had given two years of his life, day in and day out, house to house, teaching this church. And he, First Corinthians tells us that they were lacking in no spiritual gift. And so it was a massive work of God. And he was rejoicing that God was doing exceedingly abundantly beyond what Paul could have imagined. And um, the city of Corinth was a, a hole. I mean, it was a, a, a den of iniquity or whatever you want to call it. It was a nasty place. And yet God put a light of the gospel right smack dab in the middle of it. And then shortly after Apostle Paul left, the problems began. And Paul had made a surprise trip. And when he had surprised them, some of the false teachers who were there wanting to be followed instead of Paul confronted him with accusations. And no one in the church defended the Apostle Paul. So he wrote a letter. It's called the Severe Letter. We do not have it. I bet it was a dandy. In that letter, he confronted what they had done and or not done. And by doing that, it broke their hearts. It broke their hearts. Verse 7, they were comforted. Why? Because he had a great joy had come back to him. The saints' joy had come back to him. Why? Because they had a longing, a mourning, and a zeal for him. They had changed directions. They had changed directions, which is the second one through 8 and 10. Though it caused you sorrow in this for a little while, it hurt your feelings. But they understood that even in that sorrow, he was right. So they changed, which brings us to verse 11. Their holiness. Why? They wanted first and foremost to be vindicated of themselves, their names. Why? We don't want to be the ones who stood up for false accusations. It became very clear to them they had been deceived. See, what happens is you get enough focus on yourself. All you're doing is leading yourself into deception. All right. And once you get into that position, you know, I've used this before, but you start listening to your own counsel. Okay, and um, sometimes that's very dangerous. And once you start getting into that, then it will grow. Sin will always take you farther than you ever wanted to go. And so this happened, and as that happens, you're focused on yourself. All of these things are going down the road. And the next thing you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you can't understand it anymore. And yet, in this group, they wanted themselves vindicated. They also um, were mad about it. 
They were mad about it. They had allowed their sin to deceive them. As soon as you step into deception, a false teacher can come along and he can throw anything at you that is close. And you'll buy it. And you'll buy it. But they had fear. They had a fear they'd come back to them to understand that they are children of God and that they had harmed the shepherd that God had sent to take care of them. All right. And they understood that they were forfeiting blessing by harming the shepherd. Which brings us to their growth. They grew in verse 12. He did not write this letter, the severe letter for the offender or the one offended. He didn't write it for the one who had made accusations, nor did he do it for himself. But he wanted to remind the Corinthians of their earnestness that they had originally had. You ever seen that? People get saved. They're on fire for Jesus. I mean, it's it just, just amazing. And they're cruising along and it can go for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, it's like the fire goes out. And it's like all of the greatness that they understood is, eh, what's the, what the heck? They become complacent. And, and you say, well, not me, really. Go read the first letter to the church in Ephesus in Revelations. Because they had good, solid doctrine. They had done great works. But they had done what? Forgot, lost their first love. You know, we always talk about Laodicea or Sardis, them evil people. Okay? You know what's one that breaks my heart the most? Ephesus. They lost their first love. What do you have passion for then? Which brings me to verse 13 today. For this reason, we have been comforted. Why? Because their earnestness was now seen. And besides our comforts, we rejoice even much more. For the joy of Titus, because his spirit had been refreshed by you all. Okay, you know what this is? I, your outline sums it up. It's a oneness. It's a oneness. I see a lot of people right now in the evangelical community trying to unify each other. Okay. By compromise. Okay. Uh, go read First Corinthians. That works well. Okay. Because now all of a sudden everybody's an expert. Now all of a sudden everybody knows exactly what needs to be done. And they ain't taking counsel on anybody because we're all going to be unified. You know, I, I had a, I did the sunrise service uh, with nine other churches here in Castle Rock. And I'll tell you what, I was just a sweating bullets because I thought, you know what? What was the drag was I was one of the first guys up. And I thought, if I get an idiot who follows me, I can't do anything. And I say that with all the love I can muster. OK. And I thought, you know, because I'm standing up in the community saying I'm with these. It went off really well. I was thrilled. I was like, God, you are so good to me. <laughs> because I, I have been offered to, to, you know, be in these sunrise services multiple times. Um, and uh, I've had to turn them down. I was offered a number of years ago to speak up at Red Rocks. 
And uh, I seen the list of who they were getting, and I said, I don't want no part of that. Okay? I don't, I don't want to be up there with a priest or a female father. I don't know what that is. Okay? She was Episcopalian or something. I don't, I don't, I, I ain't doing it. Okay? Uh, and, and of course, the politicians, and I was like, you're calling this as a worship service. I don't want no part of it. Okay? You want to have, you want to have a group of people all sitting around acting like we know what we're talking about? Yeah, whatever. But if you're going to call it a worship service, I have no part of it. So I was a little bit nervous about it. But I still watch people in this community who are, quote unquote, going to unite us. All right. But you can't do it in the... See, what we'll do is we'll call it tolerance and then we'll compromise. All right. Go read the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians and tell me how well that works. Okay, because at some point you get to the place where you say, well, I won't even call it sin anymore. They're just, it's a morally challenged individual. All right. And, but it's all right because the more they sin, perhaps God's grace will abound more. Okay. Paul argued that in Romans. Okay. But, but you see that all the time and you, you, you listen to it and I listen to what we call oneness and it isn't. It's not one. It's not one. Okay, look what he says here, verse 13. We have been comforted. Okay, you know what that means? All of us. We have all been comforted. Okay, that means that the schism was there for all of them and now they have been comforted. Because of your growth, which was spiritual, your holiness, your change, and the joy you brought us, and your loyalty back to the things of Christ. Okay? In verse 13 and 15, you see the word, you all. You know what that means? Paul's a southerner. (laughs) I spotted that just like that. You thought the south was going to win, didn't you? But anyway, you all comforted us, comforted all of us because Titus was full of joy. Titus came back and he had this joy of this report and just his arrival, which brought comfort to the apostle Paul and all that were with him. And then it just grew from there. Titus has seen their loyalty back to the apostle Paul. Remember? He had this repentance that brought in a longing and a mourning and a zeal for the Apostle Paul. And Titus had seen this. He also says that he was refreshed by you all. So there was that joy there, but there was also that, wow, this is awesome stuff. Because why? Well, verse 15 says, the obedience of you all, of you all. Now, listen, it has to go with what I would call the majority. Okay, now I'll deal with this a little more. But in chapter 2, verse 6, he makes this 
speaking of the punishment of the one of the accusers, he says that this punishment which was inflicted by the majority. Okay? And, and you, it brought the Apostle Paul an abundance of joy. And, you know, we, we kind of look at it today. We're not very big in numbers, and we don't really have a lot of schisms. We've got some little petty things that show up every once in a while, but we don't have no big divisions. All right? But if you read 1 Corinthians, the fact that this church majority was now united in the Apostle Paul, you've got to go, whoa, <laughs> that's like a miracle. They had schisms and divisions. And oneness for the Corinthians was impossible. You would, during your worship service, people would just stand up and begin babbling. When they had a potluck, the rich people would show up early and eat all the good food because the poor people had to work all day. And when they came back, they got the crumbs. There were people getting drunk at the Lord's table. Immorality was classified as freedom in Christ. That is a little tough to get united behind. Everybody was about themselves. If you're truly honest with yourself, the Corinthian church defined division. I taught 1 Corinthians to the Russians. Okay? You know what the topic was? Resolving division. Because that's the that's whole book, the first letter is nothing but you guys are so self-centered, you're corrupting, they're perverting spiritual gifts. That's how self is so wonderful. Oneness is tough in this church. Paul was dealing with it. And the fact that they had come, you all came together to refresh and encourage Titus is a miracle. It is a miracle. Paul didn't think they were mature. He called them babes. He called them carnal. He says you are fractured. Listen, they were. You go back through it. Write this down and you go look. I'm not going to go back through it. Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 5 and 8. They had wrong unities in those two chapters. They were divisive. They were divided. Chapter 14. They were misusing their spiritual gifts. Corrupted the Lord's table. Perverting the things of God. They were selfishness was the norm. It's all about me. Not only was selfishness the norm, it was encouraged. But now, Titus sees the unity. He sees the oneness. And just to go in there understanding... What he had witnessed before, he goes in there now and he is comforted. And it was the majority. Do, do you think about that? 
the majority of the Corinthian believers agreed with the severe letter. You get that? It wasn't like in there, he went in there and stroked their egos. He went in there and said, you guys are clueless. You're clowns. I mean, I don't know what the severe letter is. I do know what 1 Corinthians says. And there is nothing to boast in you. Okay? And you're like, whoa. And now Titus comes back. Man, they're all together. They're all agreed. You took them a nasty letter that didn't make the to the scriptures. That he blasted them. The sorrowful letter. The majority are agreeing with the letter. The majority was agreeing with the confrontation the Apostle Paul had delivered to the church. J.R. Packard, years and years ago, it's been probably 10 or maybe 10 years ago, he left the Anglican church. Okay, just said, nope, send his letter in. I don't want no part of you guys no more. You know why? The Anglican church was going to discuss homosexual relationships in the church. Listen, did you hear what I said? They were going to discuss it. That's all they were going to do. They weren't going to make a vote on it. They weren't going to condone it. They weren't going to embrace it. They were going to discuss it. And he says, I have no place for such a conversation. And he left. Possibly one of the greatest theological minds that we've ever seen. And, I, and you know what? Part of me says, well, duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not a hard one. I mean, that's, you don't have to be a theologian to say, well, how does God look at that? Well, that's Deuteronomy. That's it. No, 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 no. <laughs> You go look in the New Testament. They had agreed to the severe letter because they wanted the restoration of the relationship with the Apostle Paul. Titus was refreshed. Freaked him out, I should say. I mean, I kept going back as I was reading this thinking, what was I reading in 1 Corinthians? Because that 1 Corinthians letter wasn't what I would classify as cheerful. Okay? I mean, I can't find anything in 1 Corinthians that I could say, will you feel better now? I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, the first six chapters are abusive. And then the seventh ones, he says, now concerning things you wrote, I'm going to beat you ragged with those. And you're like, gee, many crickets. Okay, what a bunch of knuckleheads. Then he made a surprise trip. They embarrassed him. He, Titus had gone there. He had relief and joy. He watched the power of an awesome God in the bride of Christ through the act of confrontation 
bring sorrow that brought repentance, which was God's will to restore a broken relationship. And even though there was relief, you know what? The Apostle Paul was no dummy. He knew that it was not all. Some would still be divided. You know what? Your greatest enemy is not Beelzebub. Okay? Your greatest enemy is you. Yourself will step up at the most unappreciative times. Just bing, there it is. Why? It's about me. Watch. And and, and it just, you know, you can have it. It's, it's gone. I've defeated it. I don't have to worry about it. So I'm standing in absolute humility. That's not convenient for me. What? And it happens just like that. And so the Apostle Paul is not stupid. He said he knew that they weren't all. There would still be some who were divided. There would be still some at odds with the Apostle Paul. And he knew that they could and that they would stir this up again. He knew it. He knew it. I have seen this over and over and over. I cannot tell you how many times. When I took the pulpit of this church, I had a group of people who at Sunday school went to every Sunday school class to tell them that they can't abide my teachings so everyone in Sunday school class needs to leave and not go to the worship service. Wonderful. Wonderful. And yes, eventually they left and started another Baptist church for a little while, and then it ended up folded up. I don't know what happened to them. Yet the majority here in Corinth wanted restoration. The unity of repentance is a great joy for the Apostle Paul in light of the disunity. It's miraculous, people. Do you not understand that? To watch a bunch of people realize they have to die to self so that they can have the unity that is supernatural in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden they realize that it isn't about them. That's amazing. You can't do that. I can sit and tell you this till the cows come home. If God doesn't do it in your heart, it ain't happening. You will be tolerant. I remember a guy one time told me that. He says, I want to know some, I want you to know something. I love you tremendously, which was always, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> okay, but I love you tremendously. And he says, but I will wait you out. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you ain't called. I don't know where he's at. But he, I see this a lot. I mean, I can see it here in this church. I'm dealing with two other churches in our community right now have the same thing going on. And, and I'm trying to tell the guys, they're saying, well, if we do this, if we do that, and everybody's conclusion is compromise for the sake of unity. No, it isn't. If you give a mouse a cookie... He'll want a glass of milk. Okay? If you compromise truth, how far are you willing to go with it? 
You see what I'm trying to get at? You know, I've got, I know two churches right now that are dealing with how can they allow and their members to smoke pot now that it's legal. And you're like, what? <laughs> and they said, well, it's legal, therefore, how do we embrace that? Well, the problem is, <laughs> get your arms off of it. And what is funny about it, I came from that culture. All right? These guys haven't. And they're like, well, it's not really that big a deal. Really? If you just don't mind a bunch of stupid people around, it's not that big a deal. But what they're doing for the sake of unity, let us compromise. I said, do you understand that it changes your psyche? I said, there ain't nobody out there smoking pot because it makes their beef taste better. Okay, you know, somebody might have a glass of wine with a because it augments the aroma of my fish. Okay, but you ain't gonna smoke a doobie because I want <laughs> it'll make my pop tart taste better. <laughs> you smoke pot, it all tastes better. <laughs> I don't understand these things, and yet the church is like, well, but see, we can embrace the community, really. But there is unity and repentance, and it was a great joy to the Apostle Paul. Listen, when there is real repentance, there is real change. And, and I dealt with that a few weeks ago. When, then, when there is a real change, when the deception is cleared, okay, and the sin is dealt with, okay, then there will be a coming together. There will be a unity there. And it's more than saying, what, I'm sorry. I'm talking about real change. I dealt with it. There is a fear of God now. There is a longing for what is right now. There is a zeal of the things of God now. There is avenging of wrong regardless of the consequences. There is an indignation over the fact that I am angry because I was deceived by my sin. I become an idolater of sin. And I want vindication of the, how I screwed this thing up. They read that letter of conviction, of confrontation, and it brought sorrow to the heart. And those who were there at the reading of that letter, they were convicted. You know what they did? The same thing they did when they were wrong. They spread the message. They spread the message. What we have done was wrong. What we did against the Apostle Paul was wrong. And all of those people that they sought out that they could get to listen to bring the accusations, they went back to all of them and said, what we did was wrong. What we did was wrong. And they want more and more to hear. It's no different than when the accusers step in. The accusers step in. They may look like a duck. They may quack like a duck. But you find out they're a parakeet. And when they're cruising through, they want people to hear. You know, I think this is happening. I'm not sure about this thing here. 
What about this? And they will gather allies. Why? So that I can have this great division. Because they know the things of God. And then when it all blows up, they're confronted by it. Those who are pierced to the heart saying, you know what? We were wrong. We were wrong. They will go to those same people. And draw them back because they want them to be restored back to the original relationship too. Paul had a tremendous love for this church. I'm not sure that in the New Testament there was a church that he loved more than the Corinthians. I mean, he put up with a lot with them. But if you read this section of scripture, then you see that the restoration was happening. And it blessed his proverbial socks off. Those who are convicted want more and more to hear. And they understand that we've got to reconcile this to unity and oneness is the idea. Unity and oneness is the change. Unity and oneness is the repentance. They're all coming back together, unified. Where true repentance takes place, the persons who are repentant will do everything possible within their power to make sure all involved are embraced and bought back. If it's true repentance. Why? They want the return of the blessings. They want the return of the blessings. Make it right. I remember dealing with a church a number of years ago. They were helping us in Russia. And uh, the pastor and an elder had gone to Russia. And when they were going through customs, they had taken in uh, a bunch of jewelry and watches. They were going to give them to the pastors and pastors' wives. And I mean, not, it wasn't fancy stuff. It was just nice stuff from Walmart or whatever. Well, when they got there, they still had them in the original packages. Well... Customs immediately said, you ain't taking this stuff in unless you pay tax on it. All right. So it was either have it all confiscated or pay the tax on it. So they paid the tax on it and they went in. They came back to give the report to the congregation. The elder gets up there and he says, once we paid the bribe for the Russians to let us take stuff in, they said that was the only issue that we had. Whatever you call it, that's what it was. Taxes. Okay. And we'll either take it all or you can pay us to let you take it in. One of the other elders in the church said, I can't have an elder on the board who willingly pays bribes. So the pastor's sitting there going, uh oh. <laughs> I should have stayed in the land of the czars. So he called me. He says, let's get a third party in it. And the one said, I cannot serve on an elder body that one of the elders has paid a bride. I can't serve with him. And I said, yeah, I, I understand that. Okay. And he said, so what's the conclusion? I said, it's easy. Both elders resigned. They go, what? Yeah, 
Both elders resign. Why? Then there's no schism in the church. There's no who's right, who's wrong. So the four of us prayed, the pastor, myself, and the two elders. We prayed, came to unity. Yeah. So both resigned that following Sunday. I about fell over. I was like, wow, I can't believe this worked. (laughs) Okay. They've all both come back on and they've reconciled their differences. Okay. Because all he had to say is we paid a tax. Okay. But he made the statement that he paid a bribe. However you look at it. Okay. And you know what? You're stirring up division in the leadership of the church. You got a problem. You've got a very serious problem. And see how easy it was? Just that easy. Instead of saying I paid a tax, I said I paid a bribe. Okay? I cannot serve with a man who pays bribes. Well, I can't serve with a man who hauls all this cargo over there and gives it to the Russians for free. (laughs) Because they kept taking my, uh, they got this great hot sauce. And I kept bringing, trying to get it out. And I was always checking out about lunchtime and they would confiscate it. And this stuff is good. And I kept thinking, it's not Russian. It's from Turkey that's in Russia. And so finally, my last trip over there, I figured it out. I got like nine tubes of it. And I stuck it in every nook and cranny of luggage I had. And they only got three. (laughs) So I made it, <laughs> I'm, you know, and you guys could all say, well, I'm not going to serve with him. That's fine. It's good hot sauce. <laughs> okay. But I learned, I, you know, I'm going to pick his up because I tried it with two. That wasn't enough. They could find both of those quick and three. And I got nine <laughs> and I got six out. Yes. So, cause I, cause I even actually tried to tell him, can I fly out some other time around lunch? You know, because I knew what was going on. Hey, look, Igor, we're eating. (laughs) See, true repentance will bring that unity. Because it'll have a passion. Remember what I said, that zeal that is for it? It wants things fixed. Real repentance will bring their... All of their allies that they took into the deception, it will want to bring all of their allies out of that deception back into the true relationship. That feeling that they had caused the problem, that's that sorrow. They will want to work to solve it. If you look around, listen, look, you can take these principles right here. And you look around and anywhere that there is a broken relationship, people want to justify that relationship, that brokenness. Okay. And what do they do? Let me go get somebody who will agree with me. I see this all the time. People try to get me. Hey, you know, this was bothering me. I need you to be on my side about this because this is how they treated me. This is how they looked at me. This is how they talked to me. This is how they, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. And the sitting one will always start a campaign against the one that they're wanting to leave to break the relationship. Let me tell you how awful they are. It goes on every day. 
and they will gather as many as that will hear. It's not new. But that's where the broken unity is. And that broken unity is because of a deceived heart. And that deceived heart is trying to get somebody to affirm their wrong. It's, it's, it's like, remember the argument that you used to hear all the time? Especially with Roe versus Wade. You cannot legislate morality. Okay? If someone says that to me now, I'm going to prison. Okay, because you are legislating immorality. So I don't want to hear nothing about legislating morality. All right. And all they're doing is saying, I like doing this sin. Let's make the government say it's okay. That's all it is. Men love darkness. And I want to get as many people as I can to agree with me. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, it's amazing to watch what happened. And, and those of you who know me, know where I came from, uh, for me to say, well, that's crazy. Because when I, before my salvation, let's do it all. I don't care what it is. You look around and, and I see this and, and we gather as many as we can to hear. They want support to justify. Take, they want them to take their case. Okay. You know what it is? I want you to encourage and be encouraged by my deception. I'm deceived that I believe I'm absolutely right. And I want you to help me with that deception. But see, real repentance circles all the way back around and it does everything possible to restore all of the broken relationships. Listen, if you get into one of these broken relationships and you're the third party, I'll give you a warning right now that you can stand on. Don't take sides. Okay, there's always two sides. Okay, and it is extremely possible, you're not going to believe this, that both are in sin. And you don't want to be on one sin side and not on the other sin side. Because I've had them come to me. I, I remember when people thought, remember when counseling was the big thing? Everybody's got to go to counseling. I'd have married couples come in and they would both sit and tell me what the other one's doing wrong. Okay. And I got burned the first time because I met with a guy who wanted to tell me how bad his wife was. And then it dawned on me, I need both of you sitting in here because (laughs) this ain't really working that well. Okay. But it was always amazing to me that the other, I can sit and look at you and you do all of these awful things. And evidently we've grown out of that some of us because all it is is i'm trying to justify my sin be cautious about taking sides stand with the king listen do not think you're infallible standing with him because i've seen that too well i know what the bible says oogie all right. You know the whole counsel of God, right? 
just curious. You know, I don't know how many times I've read the Bible from cover to cover. I can't repeat it all. There's things that stick in my head. The floating axe head still impresses me. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what that's all about, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> so I go around every time I see a body of water, I stick a stick in it and see if something floats up. <laughs> Guess I'm not Elijah. <laughs> but anyway, real repentance will circle around and bring everybody back, or at least try. All the people that they allied to break this relationship, they will try to bring back. Paul greatly rejoiced. Why? The majority was restored. Now think about that. You think about, he says, I was in so much anguish and in depression. He was overwhelmed. No peace in his spirit. He was so distraught that a door was opened for him in Troas for the gospel, and he couldn't share it. And it was because of the Corinthian church. And now to see them all come back together, the majority, and affirm Paul back? Yeah, I guess greatly rejoiced was a good term. Why? Because that's real repentance. That's that real passion, that real desire Because when that is there, they're wanting everything to be back to one. The oneness that the body of Christ is. You don't make it, you preserve it. Restores the oneness. So what we have, comfort and sorrow, first is the joy of the loyalty that has come back of the saints. We have the change of the saints' hearts through the sorrow that brings them to repentance. We have a holiness because of the way they have now changed. They have an earnestness in everything and the very thing that godly sorrow produced. They grow. They grow through the travail. Why? The earnestness. Let me remind you what you had in the beginning. And it was made known to you. I will remind you and it will be in the sight of God. And there will be a oneness. A oneness because... The broken relationship has divinely been reestablished. And you and I can't do that. The unity is already there. We preserve it in the bonds of peace. Paul told the Ephesians. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the encouragement that this section in the Corinthian letters has been to me. You do amazing things in your precious bride. Father, I just pray, as we we all struggle with the day-to-day, that we hear the words of the Apostle Paul, and we understand that he can become, he was comforted. He was comforted by saints. He was comforted by saints who had hurt him tremendously. Wow. Father, let us be saints that comfort. Let us be ones that bring joy Let us be ones that cause much rejoicing as we walk in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen.